Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Hoops Habit Podcast on the Fansided Podcast Network. I am your host, Michael Duggar, and I'm coming to you 9.30 on Tuesday morning, March 26th, and with four games in the NBA on NBA slate, there's usually not that much to talk about, especially when the best matchup is Blazers-Nets, and the other three matchups are Suns-Jazz, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, Thunder Grizzlies and 76ers Magic. But in midst one of one of the best games, I, I mean, it's a double overtime game, one of the best games of the season, we had the most devastating injury since Paul George's. And that's what Yusuf Nurkic in the Blazers 4.146-142 double overtime win over the Brooklyn Nets, Yusuf um, Nurkic, in the midst of having a career best game in terms of points, in the middle of a career season where he's having averaging career highs across the board, comes down, lands, and suffers an injury that where I was laying in my bed, minding my business, watching a great game of basketball, caused me to literally jump up out of my bed, pace around my room, pace around my house, and I couldn't sleep for two hours. It was, I've seen injuries, I've worked for Florida State football, I've played IMs, and I've seen IMs, or I've literally seen a kid's foot hanging, but you don't see the the full scope of that, you just see the aftermath of someone, la- the guy was running and landed to a bleacher, and he hit, he collided with the bleacher so hard that his foot, his ankle was dislocated, and you just see it hanging, you hear the screams, you're like, oh man, then you, I forgot about it and just kept playing, because, you know, you're 20 years old, you just don't think about these things like that, it's like, oh, it's an injury, and this kind of these kind of injuries were ingrained in my head when I worked for my Florida State football team. There was a, I remember a player broke his leg on the first drill, the first practice, and nothing changed. You just, oh, there goes that guy. You just keep going. But this one, the Gordon Hayward one you saw, and the Gordon Hayward ones was terrible. The Paul George one I remember to this day. I remember being at, we were house-sitting in Tallahassee for my, with my two buddies, and we were house-sitting, and we were watching the game on a laptop the USA scrimmage, and we saw it. We're like, oh, that's bad. This one stuck. I don't know why this one stuck to me so bad. Maybe because the whole, that Nurkic was in this career year, maybe because it was terrible. I mean, he suffered a compound fracture to his left tibia amphibia. Paul George is the last one to suffer that injury, and he was out for 264 days. And it took him a year to get his feet underneath him. That's a terrible pun. (laughs) That's a terrible pun to use, but it's it's like, it's the saying and stuff like that. And we're now seeing PG reach his full potential and stuff. But it's just this is just comes at a terrible timing for everyone. I wrote an article just to, we'll talk about the we'll talk about the player real quick. Nurkic. The Nuggets drafted Jokic, um, Nikola Jokic and Nurkic. Shift Nurkic to Portland. And it's kind of they that was kind of them essentially choosing not essentially, they did choose Jokic over Nurkic was, I mean, Jokic is a better player. He's in a system where he's utilized a lot better, and there's no doubt that he's an all-star MVP candidate, all these things. But Nurkic was, to get Nurkic the return, let me look at the return, let me just get the return they got for him real quick. Um, Trade for Mason Plumley. Plumley's a, a great rotation player, a very important rotation player for... Um, and they got a second round pick. The Blazers did, and Plumlee is the best of the Plumlee, the Plumlee twins and brothers. 
and he does some good stuff for Denver in terms of hustling, but he's not near the player Nurkic is. And Nurkic was the perfect fit to complete like the little a little Northwest Pacific three for the Blazers. You have Damian Lillard, TJ McCollum, and they have the essentially one of the a perfect to near perfect fit in Nurkic with the pick and roll, how he can slip, how he's a bully in the paint. His defense improved dramatically. He's in better shape. All of these things. And to suffer one of the most gruesome injuries I've ever seen. An injury that, for a 300-pound man, is going to take a lot to come back from. I mean, you could just see the reactions. You always see the reactions in the arena. All the players are walking. Like, Jared Dudley had his hands in his face. And it's kind of... And it happened for with against the Nets. Carice Levert suffered a equally gruesome injury that didn't turn out to be as bad. It was just a, just a clean break of his of his ankle and leg. But that had to bring up some bad memories for him. And you could just see afterwards the press conference with the Blazers. I mean, Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard looked like a ghost. Look, like he just saw a ghost. And it's not because, yes, we'll get to the Blazers in the Western Conference in a second. But it's not just because he knows that the season's in in doubt, any chance they had of making a run. But it's because you see every day how hard this certain players work to get to this level. He's t- Nurkic is 24 years old. He's reaching. He's not. He's supposed not to be his prime for two or three more years, but he's still putting up great numbers. And then it's all just taken away from you. Just like that. A freak accident. It's terrible. And it and honestly, it shook the NBA community as it should. Which is why, and this comes back to the thing, players get your money. Get your money. Winning's great. Go win. That's awesome. Get your money. There's no reason not to maximize your potential. This is why the LeBrons try to keep all the power as much as they can. This is why Kevin Durant, you know, this may incline Kevin Durant to not sign a two-year deal, although injuries have happened in the past. You know, the Hayward one, the Paul George one, that still inclined him and LeBron and others to sign these short two-year deals. But that stability may be in the back of their head now. Like, it can literally end like that. And it's terrible. So, there's still there's some basketball to talk. So, I just want, let's just get that. The game was great. Um, Seth Curry ripped D'Angelo Russell and when D'Angelo Russell had a chance to put the game away. Seth Curry gets fouled, down one, 3.6 seconds left, misses the first one, makes the second one over time. D'Angelo, off the backboard, goes out to get win it. Go back and forth in the second OT, D'Angelo Russell with a, a great move. We'll get to D'Angelo in a second, too. A great move to navigate a pick and roll, split defenders, gets a, gets a floater to go, layup to go. Damon, they trap Damian Lillard when he dribbles the ball up. He heaves a 40-footer, doesn't go in. And then the Blazers take control. And win. And the Blazers now sit in the four seed. Two and a half games up on the fifth and sixth seed. Jazz and Clippers, three games up on the seventh and eighth seed. Spurs, Thunders. Kings are all out of it six and a half games back. And I'm looking at the standings. And I see Oklahoma City, who is four and six in the last ten. Does not look the same. So that's a pretty good, pretty still has a solid point differential. But just something's going on. I don't know what they just lost to Memphis last night. They got blown out by Memphis. Paul George is injured. Steven Adams doesn't look the same. 
Westbrook's still Westbrook. The role players are starting to come back to earth a little bit, come to the means. And I don't know what's up with them. You have, and then you have the Trailblazers who lose CJ McCollum to a knee injury for a month. He's, we don't know how we don't know if he's going to come back for the postseason, or, and if he does, he's, how strong he's going to be. And they just lose Nurkic for the season. The Blazers could fall to the eighth very easily. I don't think I don't know because I think the pride of Damian Lillard, and I think that the role players around Dame, the Rodney Hoods, the Seth Currys, the Alfred Aminus, the Maurice, the Maurice Har- the Mo Harkless's, Enos Cantor can't play defense, but at least he can make get you points and buckets. Zach Collins is is going to finally be thrusted into the fold. So I don't think the Blazers are doomed as terms of cratering in the standings, but their postseason, their this postseason. I mean, I thought I wrote when was it? I wrote a month ago. This Blazers team was different. This is one of the team that got swept the last two playoffs. This is a team that with Nurk because of Nurkic, this team was a, not not necessarily a threat, but very dangerous. Very dangerous, and now it's all gone. Seemingly, it's you won't find a bigger Dame, Dame fan than me. I love his Dame one shoes. I love his game. He's probably my favorite player in the NBA to watch. He completely replaced my Kobe. I was a Laker fan. Denounced my fandom. Not talking Lakers this podcast. Um, and I just love his game. Love. I just love the. I just love the Blazers hive up there, and. This guy just gets, just needs this. He just deserves a, not deserves. He just, I just want to see him deep in the playoffs, past the second round, and this was his chance. Look at the West. I mean, if it ended right now, they're playing the Jazz. Those are great games to begin with, and I favor the Blazers. The Jazz are, they're not. Something about the Jazz have another. Jazz have a great point differential, but I just like the Blazers. Donovan Mitchell versus Dame Miller. That's phenomenal. Then you got the one seed. It's between the Nuggets and Warriors. Blazers have beat the Warriors this year. Warriors aren't this indestructible team right now. Maybe because they're coasting and just want to get to the, to the playoffs where they can actually, you know, ramp up the intensity. But I'm, not, I'm cool. I'm, I feel like I could go 5-6 against the Nuggets. I'd be inclined to pick the Blazers because they have the best player. Rockets, that are, I'd pick... I probably picked the Blazers against every team except the Warriors and Rockets to advance in the playoffs in the West. Now, with no no Nurkic and a we'll see how strong McCollum comes back. I don't know who it'd be, and that's devastating. And it's just uh, it's just interesting because look at the because you look at it for the Warriors, who have been blessed with the greatest health run of a team in span of like five I think it's yeah five years combined with their opponents in the playoffs or before the playoffs go always seemingly getting injured you know you had the first finals against the Cavs you have Kevin Love already out and then Kyrie go down and a game one overtime two years ago Spurs are destroying Golden State and Golden State Kawhi looks like the MVP. Kawhi goes down twice after the season. Warriors come back and win game one. Easy sweep. Last year, down 3-2 to Houston. Chris Paul goes injured. 
you know, it's you can't you can't fault the Warriors. It's just what it is. But now you look at it now, and now they have an unproven Denver Nuggets team. The Rockets are there. The Rockets are. I mean, there's always one challenge to the throne that is like creeping, and that's the Rockets. Blazers are injured. They do not fear the Jazz at all. They don't fear anyone, but the Jazz don't scare them at all. The Clippers are a fun team. Awesome story. Nets, come on now. You, if you think Lou Williams and Montrezl are gonna are gonna be able to beat the Warriors when when KD and Steph and Clay are playing thirty nine minutes a game, come on now. Spurs, love them. Great bench. Shoot, they're three three point barrage off the bench. DeRozan Aldridge working the mid range game. Derek White's been one of my favorite players since he came out of college, since the that that the twenty seventeen draft and he was coming out of Colorado. This team's I just they're just a fun team. And then the Thunder now, who they would be matched up against in round one, which would probably be one of the most exciting round one series in recent memory. They're no they're they're not something's wrong with them. So once again, the Warriors are set up for another looks like another breeze through except if except Houston. Another breeze to the playoffs and the road to the finals. And it's just it's just not and let's like I said, it's not it's not that the Blazers were gonna beat the Warriors, but at least they had a chance to push it to five or six because that home crowd's phenomenal. Damian gets up to playing in Oakland, his hometown, going against the Warriors. Um McCollum can cook. McCollum and Litter just take turns trying to cook on Curry. Yeah, the Curry Curry brother matchup. You have Boogie and Nurkic, which was definitely going to be some technical fouls and ejections and suspensions, but it's just not there anymore. And it's just, and this Nurkic thing kind of just puts into realism that the Warriors kind of have control over everything. Like you know, in, opponents' injuries, them just pacing themselves. So we'll see, we'll see. But that's what I wanted to talk about in that game. And that, not that game, in that scenario, but the other side of the coin, the Brooklyn Nets. D'Angelo Rose scores 39 points. He was an all-star. There's all this hype about um, him being most improved player. The Nets are a great feel-good story, all these things. And the Nets may not make the playoffs. A game and a half up on Magic or six and four winners of five straight. Brooklyn is Brooklyn has an extremely difficult schedule, the toughest one in the in the entire league. They're tied with the Pistons. Pistons have the six seed on tiebreaker. Heat are a game back in the eight seed, with two games in hand. So Heat just win those two games, and they're seven and three in the last ten. Charlotte's three games back. They're coming up. They've won three straight games, including a very impressive back to back over the Celtics, nineteen point comeback, and then the Raptors with Jeremy Jeremy Lamb hit that miraculous half court shot buzzer beater. So. The Brooklyn is faces a fight for the playoffs, but besides that, everyone they have a player in D'Angelo Russell who's set for a contract extension, and people are saying is he worth the max? All this stuff, and like they're bashing. I guess is I am going to talk about the Lakers a little bit, but I'm not going to talk about them in terms of their fallacies this year and stuff like that. I'm just going to talk about you know everyone's beating them up right now at 2020 hindsight because they let because it was a salary dump paired with Timothy Mozgov to get off. D'Angelo Russell. Net him a draft pick. They turned that draft pick into Kyle Kuzma, and they also have Brooke Lopez, who is 
a key cog for the best team in the NBA, the Milwaukee Bucks. But sort of another day. Anyway, everyone's like, "Oh, he's a gifted scorer. How could the how could the Lakers trade a gifted scorer? How could they do this? How could they do that? All of this." And then I'm looking at, and I'm like, you know, I'm like I watched the Brooklyn Nets play. I watched most mostly every game D'Angelo played for the Lakers. Like, and then. I love D'Angelo coming out of the draft. And then I'm watching these Brooklyn games. Yeah, he's a little quicker. A little more improved his floater game and finishing on the rim, but these are the shots he took in LA. And I'm like, is he even making that a better clip? Not really. He's ta- he's okay. He's averaging career highs and points at twenty point nine, assists in seven point oh. And just under rebound rate. But the main thing is shots. That's all he's getting is better shots. He's just, he's just taking more shots. He's he's taking 6.6 more from his rookie year. Making him at a 0.23% better clip from the field. Three-pointers, he's taking almost he's taking 1.9. So pretty much two, essentially two. No, where is it? 3.2 more three-pointers a game. And knocking him at a 0.11% better. His usage is extremely high. And and I just don't and people are just like bashing the Lakers for doing this. The Lakers dreams do not rest on D'Angelo Russell being their star player. I had a discussion with a friend and I'm like, you know, imagine if the Lakers didn't trade D'Angelo Russell, they'd have D'Angelo, Ingram, Josh Hart off the bench. Um, Ingram and Julius Randle. That's a fun team. Very, f- and then my friend said back to me, "That's a very fun six seed." And I know that may be fine for Brooklyn, but for Lakers and Lakers organization, a fine six seed's not something they strive for. Which is why they made the deal to because they still think they're a free agent destination. Deep zone. Um, we don't know that. We don't we don't know if they still are or anything like that. But even if they gave D'Angelo the ball this much, would Ingram develop? Would all these other players develop? I mean, D'Angelo's they'd trade him for leadership qualities. Lonzo's I don't know how I'm forgetting Lonzo on that equation. Wow. D'Angelo's a leadership, but not he's a leader now. He's also seventh in the league in a usage percentage. Ahead of LeBron, Russell Westbrook, Kemba Walker, Steph Curry, Kawhi, Luka, Blake Griffin, Kevin Durant, Paul George, Kyrie, Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, Carl Anthony Towns, DeMar DeRozan, Bradley Beal, um, Nikola Jokic, Mike Conley, Aldridge, Klay Thompson, McCollum. All of these guys, he has a high, D'Angelo Russell has a higher usage in. So, It's it's cool. I mean, the players ahead of him in usage are James Harden, MVP candidate, Joel Embiid, MVP candidate, Lou Williams is sixth man of the year, and he does his usage in a tw- in twenty six minutes. He's off the bench, six man like Lou will. Devin Booker has nothing. We're gonna close with Booker in a second. Giannis, MVP of the best team, and he doesn't even play a full schedule. So is not a full, he doesn't play like a full slate because they're always kill, destroying teams. And then Donovan Mitchell. So, 
I understand that we love D-Lo. We love the new, we love the grasp on the new story and all these things. But let's sit and think that, you know, the Lakers' goal is to attract free agents in their prime and continue and do a cycle of this continuously. Which is why they're offloading what's why they traded D'Angelo Russell for salary dump. Which is why they're trying to trade a supposedly offered Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, and the rest of their young core for Anthony Davis. Because they need stars. Because right now, Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, Kuzma, those guys aren't going to win you a title. D'Angelo Russell's not going to win you a title. He may win you a couple a couple games when he goes crazy like he did last night against Brook against Portland, and when he gets hot in these games and he's a very solid passer, great feel for the game. But we all nothing. We all knew this talent was there. His usage is just at a career high. He's taking a lot more shots. He's in a system where he's empowered to do more with spacing all around. I mean, Jared Dudley plays center for him. The floor is wide open. He didn't have this in LA. He had, he played with Mozgovs and Randalls, and I love Julius Randalls' game. And these players who aren't floor spacers, and more intention was on. He's playing with Spencer Didwitty, Chris Levert. I mean, there's talent all. There's this is a solid team in Brooklyn. So yes, he's improved. Yes, his game is awesome, and he's one of the most exciting players to watch right now. But before we say, oh, Magic and Plinka traded this guy, yeah, they did. But he's also seen it's just an increase in numbers and increase in opportunity can lead to this. You get three more shots a game, you take three, two more three pointers a game, it's bound to happen. You're going to make them. He's shooting 36% from deep. Is that anything great? It's up to you what you give value great. 43% from the field, that's cool. That's, I mean, that's fine. He still gets you seven assists. Defense, he gets you 1.2 steals. He's good at reading passing lanes, but he's not going to be a dominant on-ball defender ever. The main thing with him is that the Lakers traded away a 20-year-old because, 2021-year-old because of a Snapchat incident with a teammate, which wasn't really his fault, but he broke a code of teammates, all that stuff. Which is, which is, it's, it's cool, but there's still, they still have eight games left. With their schedule they had, let me read it to you real quick. At Philly, let me get to the full schedule. All right, all the way to the bottom. Final eight games go at Philly, home Boston, home Milwaukee, home Toronto, at Milwaukee, at Indiana versus Miami. They could genuinely lose all those games. Every single one of those games they could lose. They go three and five. They're not making the playoffs. And then all this hype that, oh, the Lakers traded with D'Angelo Russell. He was an all-star. He made an all-star in a watered-down East as a replacement for Victor Lodipo. Don't forget that. He wasn't selected to the team as but by the coaches. He was the, he was the first replacement. All-star nonetheless. But this team may not make the playoffs. The Heat, the Pistons, the Magic. I mean, all these teams may have. I would, if I'm looking at the schedule, the only thing they can count hold their hat on is that second Milwaukee game. They could be resting players because they already not lock up the one seat throughout the whole, the home home court for the whole playoffs. But I don't know. 
I don't know. This is like like I said, this isn't me bashing D'Angelo Russell in any way. Like I said, I love his game at Ohio State. As a southpaw, it's awesome to watch a lefty like this. And he just launches the ball from anywhere. His three you think he's making every three when he throws him up. Even the game winner he tried to do last night. You think it's going in. But let's just cool the brakes. Yes. The Lakers have made questionable uh roster choices. But this comes down to D'Angelo Russell with an increased opportunity, what he can do. And he can lead a team in a very comfortable situation to a 7th or 8th seed, 6th, 7th or 8th seed, and just around 500. So we go from one, one um, flamethrowing young player to another one in Devin Booker. And he made waves last night for scoring 59 points in a 33-point loss to the Utah Jazz. 59 points in a 33-point loss. He's one of the best scorers in the NBA. No doubt about it. There is, unless Phoenix gets John Morant, R.J. Barrett, or Zion Williamson... Booker just signed an extension. I would not be surprised if he starts asking out. And that's the truth. We'll see what... If they do not build a roster that can eclipse 25 to 30 wins next year, Booker has to... Booker definitely will request out of there. Because when you go 19 to 34, 5 for 8 from 3, 16 and 17 for 3s, you lead your team... You score 59 points. Your team made... 12 field goals, you assisted on four of them, which means you were only not responsible for eight of the baskets in the game. And you lose by 33 points. It is a crime in team building, an absolute crime in team building what they've put around Devin Booker. And I've not been the person on the Devin Booker hive because I've, I'm not, I'm, I want to see defense. I want to see how you, because empty stats are empty stats are cool because you're but you're not winning, and that's not Booker's fault. When you sign Jimmer Fredette for reasons that don't make sense, and he goes one for ten, zero for five from three, and he is taking the second most shots. When you have Mikael Bridges who needs to work on his game, DeAndre Ayton who takes seven shots. You draft Elliot Kobo, he goes 27 minutes, 2 for 6. But, I mean, Jimmer shot four, 10 times in 14 minutes. Why do you have him? Why did you sign up? I mean, maybe to help increase your tanking. But you have players. And Akobo, Bridges at Aiton, and DeAnthony Melton. Even uh, the Dragon Better experience may be done. He needs to get out of Phoenix, too who need minutes, who need shots, who need time to play together. And you're opting to play Jimmer. Booker's won, I think the stat was, he's one of five players to average 26 points. Let me look it up real quick. I, one of, let me see. I think he's one of a couple players to average 
like five players average 27 points and um, six assists per game. And that list is Harden, LeBron, Giannis, and I think that's it. He's averaging 26 points, 4.2 rebounds, 6.7 assists, 45%, 32% from three, which is, eh, that needs to get up there, 86% from three. He wants to win. He wants to compete. But but who knows how long he could take this. He wants to win in Phoenix. Him and Aiton want to be the Kobe and Shaq of Phoenix. That's what Aiton has said and all that. But this has, this has to start getting to him. So, I mean, it's, we'll see. I don't really have a lot of Phoenix thoughts because it's, I'm leading, looking at who played last night and it is low-key disgusting. It is a terrible, this is one of the worst, group, this is this is a, a roster that rivals what the 76ers, you take away Booker and, and this is a roster that rivals the purposeful tanking of the, of the Hanky 76ers. Since the All-Star game, 16 games, he's averaging 30.5, 4.1 rebounds, 6.9 assists. 17 and 58. Let's look at the Phoenix Suns history of the past, the records. Last four years. Since they drafted Booker, last four seasons. 23 59, 24 58, 21 61, 17 58. The worst team. It's. I don't even know. I It's it's very disappointing to see them wasting this talent. And it's even more on the coaching staff at this point to play Jimmy Fredette. Dint and not play. And just not funnel more shots to the rest of the young players. I'd like to know what happened. I'm not going to know what happens. That's all I have time to have for you today. I'll be back later in the week. Um, not a lot of fun stuff to talk about in this podcast. We talked about Nurkic and the Blazers. Unfortunate fallout from that. D'Angelo Russell, who is fun, but I'm saying hold the horse a little bit. And Devin Booker, who is playing for the worst team in one of the, probably the worst run organization in basketball at this point. Who, yes, they may be a John Morant away, but if they don't nail this offseason and draft, Booker, Booker, I mean, we'll see what Booker, we'll see how, we'll see what happens. Because, I mean, think about it. Aiton's a rookie, all these guys are rookies, but this is this is his fourth year, and he's won a total of 39, 62, 84, 86 games. He's won 86 games out of... Man, my math's off right now. Let me just pull up a calculator real quick. 164, 2, 56, You get the point. He's won 80, 80-something games under a 300%, under a 300 percentage. So, I'll be back later in the week, guys. Check out hoopshabit.com. Good website. We're, tra- we're churning out playoff content. It's been a slow, it's been a drud this NBA season, honestly. 
this is the point where even Ben Simmons is saying he's mentally drained. Everyone wants to get to the playoffs. So, thanks for checking out, and I'll be back later in the week.